YouTube stars Rhett and Link walk away from the Christian faith. Let's talk about that. Uh, today we are going to be talking about Rhett and Link, uh, kind of pretty big deal YouTubers who recently renounced their Christian faith. So before we get started on that, if you are new to our channel, our goal here is to help you live and share your faith in the everyday places of life. We talk about real issues facing believers in the modern world, and we make videos full of helpful tools and tips that help you be a disciple in the 21st century. So that's what we're doing today. And guys, how are y'all doing? <laughs> we're doing good, Abby. <laughs> Um, yeah, for folks that are just joining us, this is take two. Um, oh. we've probably been at this for about 20 minutes now yeah. and, um, dude, it's been an hour. Everyone, it's been an hour. <laughs> the tech it's issues, fine. man, they are very real. Yeah. But, but like Abigail said, um, our whole point in doing this and fighting through tech, tech troubles <laughs> is because we do want to discuss problems facing believers in the modern world. And, um, some of those are tech related, <laughs> but but others have to do with just the way society views challenges. And, and so I'm looking forward to today's show because I think we're going to be talking about the role that faith plays in our lives and in our society. So yeah, I'm, I'm happy. Yeah. So, uh, we just dealt with tech issues. None of us swore. It was really good. good. I think (laughs) we're uh, maintaining our belief system, even during, uh, awful internet issues. So yes, uh, uh, we are talking about YouTubers today, which is very new to me. Um, So I've had to really learn a lot in the last uh, week or so, Uh, just a little little more behind the scenes. Um, About a week ago, Andrew sent out this list of all of these, um, I guess, clips from uh, Rhett and Link, who are pretty famous for, um, what's the name of their podcast, uh, their YouTube channel again? So something I think they, modern. Yeah, yeah. Well, their their YouTube is actually I think Rhett and Link, but yeah. they have different oh. sub channels. So they have um, Good Mythical Morning. Good Mythical Morning is that's the one I'm thinking show. of. They also have a podcast, a video podcast called Ear Biscuits, which Ear Biscuits, is what yep. we listen to quite a bit of in preparation for this show. Yeah. Uh, so I had to do a lot of of research, just behind the scenes. I listened to all of these on like triple time so they were talking really really fast and i would put my earbuds in while my children were playing and i would just be listening to these dudes talk so i just want everyone to know the suffering that i did to prepare yeah, see, my um, brain's I'm not sure as you... fast as abby's or andrew's so two times speed was just too much for me i just couldn't do it so i had to painstakingly go through it very slow to catch it so <laughs> props to you guys for going two times speed i can't do it well i um for the ladies out there, I used to watch the show Gilmore Girls, and they talk very, very fast on that show. And so it just prepared me for this. It's, it was good life experience. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, we do want to talk about Red and Link because just um, earlier this year in January, they they came out with a series that they called The Lost Years. And, you know, I had first come across uh, Rhett and Link's stuff probably maybe six seven years ago they they do a lot of they, they do a lot of comedy sketch, uh, yeah. sketches pretty good um, and were some of the early adopters with YouTube way back in the uh, the 2000s very popular very funny um, and they 
they uh, have oh, almost 5 million subscribers to their channel. So very influential as well. And, you know, they've kind of always been known as clean comedians, family friendly, um, and also as, as people of faith. But it was never over, never something that they really talked about. In fact, um, you know, just going, going through their videos and, and their story that they tell um, in the Lost, series, the Lost Years uh, series that they did back in January and February of this year, um, you know, you find out that that was a very intentional thing that mm -hmm. they, they wanted to make people laugh. Yep. And even though they considered themselves Christians, they did not want that to be an overt part of, of their show or of, of their act, of their, their performances. So, um, so they, they never really talked about faith until this year mm -hmm. when they did this series and began to, uh, basically, um, in a very public way, tell the story of them leaving the faith. And so this is actually something that um, we we wanted to discuss from earlier in this year, um, and this is our first opportunity to, to get to do it. But if you haven't heard about the, who they are, then that that is who they are, and it's really why we wanted to respond. Yeah, and I think um, in listening to it and going through it, um, I know that when it first happened in January, there were a lot of articles, there were a lot of people that kind of jumped on the train, so to speak, and did respond as Christians to their sort of breakdown of their faith. And we don't necessarily want to do that today. That's not I mean, I think there's plenty of people that have taken care of that. <laughs> um, what we saw when, or at least uh, what I was seeing when I was listening to this and um, as even our last podcast that we did um, on our book review, I think there's just a theme of how we as believers can interact with those who um, do not have a faith in Jesus. And what we're seeing and Rhett and Link are a great example of that is that there is more to it than maybe our usual um, arguments that we'd bring to the table. Would that be a fair way to look at it, guys? Yeah, for sure. I would agree with that, Abby. I think that's a good like summarization of what's going on and kind of sets the stage in the context. So I agree with that. Yeah, for sure. And, and that's, you know, we've talked about this last week, like you said, Abigail, that we as disciples and disciple makers, we want to live our faith um, in the modern day world. Yeah. And, you know, we want to be students of the message. We want to be students of people. Uh, and we also want to be students of our cultural moment, the, the, the setting that the Lord has placed us in, in time and in place. And so, you know, this, this story with Rhett and Link, I think is, it's a great case study, actually, um, to, to actually highlight some of what we talked about last week in the book review on how not to be secular. Um, and we did watch a lot of video in prep for this, this show. So we're going to basically be walking through the story that, that Rhett and Link tell. And I think it's relevant because, first of all, this is a public conversation. Like I said, they've got almost 5 million viewers. And so they, they, this is kind of the way YouTube works is they wanted to tell their story in, a very, in the most public way possible. Anyone in the world virtually could access and listen to their story. We wanted to listen to their story. So in preparation for this show, uh, I actually listened to five different videos that they put out, um, which was a total of over seven and a half hours of uh, content. And as part of that, you know, I, I knew that Abigail and Lakeith, you know, we, did, we weren't all going to watch that seven and a half hours. But uh, so what I did is I went back and um, tried to take clips from the relevant 
parts of those five episodes, but it was still about an hour and a half of content for you guys. And I know, Keith, you actually listened to two full videos, so probably over yeah, three I, hours. Yeah, I probably got to get five hours in, you know, and started doing clips because I was like, oh, my goodness. Like you said, Abby, it was a bit, it was a bit much in a good way. Like, it was... I'm excited to talk about what they talked about, but it was a lot to take in at one time. Like the couple episodes was like an hour and 40 minutes and another one was like an hour and 37 minutes. So when I gave my background so that you guys could feel sorry for me, I, I think you all noticed that Andrew just went in and was like, no, I did way more. <laughs> <laughs> so I lost. I lost that pity grab there. So too bad for me. I guess well, I should have prepared for actually, that. So, so one of the clips that we'll play here in, in a little bit talks about this because, you know, part of what they talk about in their videos, because they did the videos and they, they did an interview on sort of the fallout of their video of publicly walking away from the Christian faith. And one thing that came up several times was they, they felt like there were hit pieces that had come from the Christian world. And they, they anticipated that these hit pieces would come. And I, I just want to say that that's not our purpose today. And, and that's something you had mentioned earlier, Abigail, that, that we're really wanting to talk about this. We, want to, we wanted to hear the story that they had to tell. And, but then we wanted to have a chance to respond to it because it is a public conversation that is now out there yeah. in the world. Um, but yeah, it's not that we don't want to hear their story and um, and not take it serious. We did take the time to do that. We're not just trying to um, discount yeah. what they said, but to listen to it and then respond as people who still do have faith and, and who do still see Jesus as being um, absolutely relevant to True. our world today. So that's that's where we're we're coming from. But I'm gonna give a quick sketch overview of their story because we did listen to seven and a half hours. This video is not gonna be that long. And we're gonna play clips that sort of um, highlight different parts of their story, um, but it won't really do it justice. And so let me take a stab at this and then you guys mm -hmm. can um, fill in the gaps if I, if I leave any. But basically, Rhett and Link grew up in North Carolina in a, a very, um, cultural culturally Christian area uh, and their own family dynamics were very supportive of the Christian faith they grew up in church they identified as Christians from a very young age and actually were very dedicated as as Christians to their faith throughout high school um, they talked about how they made a pact not to have sex before marriage <laughs> um, how not to drink and get drunk because they wanted to be uh, positive examples for their fellow students and teenagers. So they, they really identified as Christians, not just in name, but in their, in their actions. Um, went off to college at North Carolina State, and again, were involved in a Christian ministry there throughout their four years in college. Uh, Campus Crusade for Christ, which a lot of our uh, viewers will be uh, familiar with. Um, they were involved and they were actually leaders within that, that particular Christian ministry. Um, graduated, uh, went into their, their jobs as engineers, but then actually decided to go into full-time ministry with Campus Crusade for Christ. And they did that for two years. They were on staff with uh, Crusade. But it seems like, as they told their story, that it was during that period of time that they really began to have some, some questions about the Christian faith. And that's also kind of the time where they really began to make videos, uh, both during college, but even more so when they were the two years that they were in full-time ministry. And they were making these videos um, to help with training students on how to share their faith. 
uh, eventually went off staff, and that's when they really began to pursue full-time careers with YouTube. Ended up eventually moving out to Los Angeles. And there's about a 10-year process there that they go through that led them to the decision that the Christian faith wasn't true, wasn't worth following. Uh, and just earlier this year is when they came out and told that story. So that's kind of um, maybe the two-minute sketch overview. Mm -hmm. Anything that I left out there, Abigail? No, that was that was a very good synopsis. Uh, I think if you're listening to this, we'll show you some clips that we think are worth maybe going into more detail about, but that's a good overview of kind of what we're looking at. Um, before we get into this, uh, I want to know how you guys felt. Like, you know, Andrew, you did seven and a half hours. <laughs> Keith did like two hours. I did no, like no, no. an hour and like a half. Five. I did like five, Abby. It was brutal. It was good, brutal. But yeah, it was, I was trucking along. Okay. But, how did you feel? Like, I'm yeah. going to share how I felt. So let's yeah. hear how you felt. <laughs> I, I definitely want to save, you know, some of it. But like, I love that question initially. I was just, uh, yeah, as a feeler person with emotions deep down, and it's uh, <laughs> it was just it was a little uh, I think I'll say depressing, but just sad. Um, but I I will yeah. say disclaimer: I think Rhett and Link are way smarter um, than they put off sometimes. I think Rhett kind of burdened me up with the "Hey, I'm really nervous. I'm really like I'm almost afraid to do this." But when the gun when it was time to go, he was guns ablazing. So uh, <laughs> yeah, by the end of the video, I was like, "All right, you you got me a little bit there," but. I, I can see what's going on here. So I think that made yeah. me uh, motivated to really uh, to stand for what we believe. So I think that was my mm -hmm. biggest feeling. So my my takeaway from it was as far as how I felt, I actually walked away like really appreciative of them for sharing their story. I thought they were very honest. And, you know, maybe we'll talk about this um, again I hope we do, because I, I don't think, to me, that the whole story, which is what this is, is, is them telling their story. But the whole story, I don't see it as, as them losing something. I, I really see it as them finding themselves. It's the story of how, the, how they, the journey they had to take to become the people that they want to be, mm -hmm. which is where they're at right now. And so I know a lot of people feel sad about their story. And I... I guess I didn't necessarily feel that way. Um, I, I, in some ways, I, I appreciated their self-awareness and their willingness to, you know, tell the story as it as it's unfolded. Now they told it from their point of view, which we'll get to here momentarily. But uh, I actually really enjoyed it. I know that may sound weird to people, but <laughs> I thought it was fascinating. It was very interesting. True. Um, but of course, we want to respond to it because there there are some claims that they made about the faith that that we want to respond to but as far as just their personal story um i was glad that they told it man we are really a great trio i just want to say so just to sum up keith felt sad andrew enjoyed it i was mad <laughs> so and to clarify i was mad at at the enemy, I was mad at mm -hmm. just um, falsehood and mm -hmm. sin and just how sneaky it is yeah, yeah. Um, and just really ticked me off on like a deep, deep level. Anyone who knows me will not be surprised by that. I think we all really uh, just were very much ourselves in those responses. But I really just wanted to start out with that. And I think that's so great. So see, you got three different responses. <laughs> 
before yep. we get started. My blood pressure was off the charts. I mean, I I would have to get off, like stop listening and then like call someone and then unsuspectingly like go off on a tangent about this. So sorry, friends and family for having to put up with me this past week. Uh, so let's dig into this because it's pretty great. Um, Andrew, I love how you said um, you know, that this was really a story of them not losing their faith, but, you know, finding who they were, like really deciding who they wanted to be as humans. I think that's a really great way to look at it. So one of the things that they said over and over again was that they were, it was a deconstruction, which I thought was really interesting word choice. And as someone who really cares a lot about words, I thought this is worth talking about. So let's talk about why they would choose deconstruction. Versus, you know, like, you know, rejecting Christian faith or any of the other things that maybe we've heard over time. Yeah, so this is this is actually pretty common, I guess, in a pretty common language for folks who at one time had faith or identified as believers. And and then through a process um, decided that, hey, I no longer believe those things. I, I no longer want to be identified as as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus. And I think I think they would say that uh, deconstruction is the appropriate word because it is a process, and it. I mean, you could say dismantling would be another uh, word that I think True. would be synonymous with deconstruction. So, um, it, it's sort of the story of how their faith, how they dismantled their faith, um, and you know, it sounds better than um, you know how I walked away from the faith. Um, or how I decided no longer to believe in Christianity. Mm-hmm. So deconstruction, I think, is just a, a it's a nicer term. It's buzzy too, and it's a, <laughs> it's a strong, it's a powerful word. When you hear deconstructing, it's like, oh wow, deconstruction. It's like, oh, that sounds pretty intense. So I think they had some uh, buzz buzzness there too. So I'm excited to hear some of the clips. We got some cool stuff in store. So right. yeah, Abigail, what about you? I know you said words mean a lot to you. You're you are an author. So what what did you think about the choice of that word? <laughs> Oh, I agree with Keith. It was a definite buzzword. Um, so it annoyed me because um, I feel like deconstructing kind of gives off the vibe that if the rest of us just took our faith apart and like really looked at what it was made of, then we too would come to the same conclusion. So maybe I'm reading into that too much, but um, I think we... I think you, all three of us, should be able to deconstruct our faith and still have it. And so them being able to take hold of that word and like make it theirs. So to deconstruct one's faith means that you're going to lay it aside because it's it's you find out that it's not worth anything. Right. Um, and so I don't I really I don't appreciate that they got to kind of claim it in a certain degree um, in a negative sense. Does that make sense? And maybe yes. that's unfair. I don't know if that's no, no, I don't I think, think that's necessarily no, yeah, what that's they fair. meant. There is some intentionality there, Abby. So I think you're keep going. Keep going. <laughs> My anger is just <laughs> righteous, righteous anger. But not at them. I, I, I really, I want to make that clear. I mean, I, I still really enjoy their shows, and I did appreciate that they were willing to be very honest and open um, about their beliefs. I think that is an, a key and important thing to do. Um, I so. I I wasn't angry at them per se, but I am angry at some of the some of the actions, I guess, and. So anyway. Hey friends, thanks for watching the show. I wanted to take a quick moment to say, if you're someone who's looking for insights, ideas, and inspiration that will fuel your faith for the 21st century, then make sure you sign up for our weekly newsletter, Harvest Highlights. 
It's free and it's loaded with resources that will help you be a disciple and make disciples in the everyday places. So make sure you check it out. There's a link in the description of this video. Back to the show. Let's let's get into maybe a, a clip. Can we go ahead and check something out here? Yeah, we can. So, you know, as they're telling their story, uh, Rhett in particular anticipates that people who still do hold to faith and who, who do still believe are going to respond to this story, uh, his story of deconstruction uh, in a particular way. So let's watch that first clip, Zach. And when people say you changed because of L.A., those things hurt a lot because of how untrue I know them to be. So there's an aspect, and I will get into more of this. Okay. Okay, well, we were hoping that there'd be a little, a little bit more there. We can work with that. Right? Um, we can work with that. I, I can sort of uh, fill in the gaps there. So basically what he says is that, you know, he knows that people are going to uh, have two statements. That they're going to, you know, Christians who are holding to their faith are going to basically say, well, here's what happened. You, you moved out to Los Angeles and, and you lost your faith. Um, or they're going to say you were never truly a Christian to begin with. So those were the the, the two re responses that he anticipated. And I'm sure he's gotten um, to him telling his story of of leaving the faith. And so, um, what did you guys think about you know him anticipating those two objections? And what was your take? You first, Abby. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, I think the uh, the the statement about LA, like I got that. I totally understood how he felt there, and that he was feeling sensitive, and that he was going to be made into a caricature. Um, and probably growing up in uh, the South uh, and in a very uh, sheltered Christian environment that he did, I'm sure he heard about people going off to, you know, LA and like some liberal place and, you know, lost their faith. So I, I'm sure he was very sensitive about that and I get it. And I, I was really fine with him um, kind of wanting to make it clear that this was a longer term thing. And also I think that that makes the most sense um, that these, like when, uh, when we start to let uh, the little tiny sins and the little tiny doubt start to creep in and we really nurture it instead of um, really going hard at it um, in a, in a defensive way, um, then, then yeah, this is what happens. And sure. It all came to a culmination when they were living in LA, but I agree with him that it wouldn't have just mm -hmm. all happened like overnight. These things don't happen overnight. Um, so I, I, I really appreciate that because it's a great picture for all of us to see and to um, maybe take note of in, in our own hearts and our own minds, um, just what's going on, not to just be a passive, um, a passive observer or even a passive um, worshiper, that we do have to be a really active part of our faith. Uh, and I think that is really clear in his story. And what was the other part? There's another part to that. You want to answer, respond to that? Well, I think... <laughs> Yeah, I think um, I, I will say for me, I I believe truly with all my heart that they were genuine about their faith at some point in their life. Oh, yeah. like, I would say that like I wouldn't I wouldn't attack the fact that they mm -hmm. said they were Christian and devoted to Jesus uh, from everything I've heard about them and from them. I uh, have no reason to say that that's not true. Um, but with that, I do think that, uh, like Abby was saying, this started way before L.A. and it started way before uh 
Right. Yeah, before they became these, you know, world-renowned YouTubers. And uh, there's a, a verse in the Bible that says, if you draw near to God, draw near to you. And it seems like there was a long period of time where they stopped drawing near to God. And it only makes sense that they got further away from God. So, um, yeah, myself, uh, Zach, our tech guy, we both came out here to San Diego when we weren't following the Lord. And, um, man, you can you can look at the last five years. And I would say that we've only gotten closer to the Lord being out here in California. So I don't think California is the place where you come and like <laughs> lose your faith. But I do think that um, that was uh, that was their chance to have their freedom and to to act on all of the things that they were wanting to act on, like Andrew said, them finding themselves. So, Yeah. Abby, did you remember your point? Oh, I actually, it's perfect. Keith totally responded to um, just them saying, like, you're, you're not going to believe that we ever did believe that we were ever, you know, really had a relationship with Jesus. Um, and I, I agree with what you just said, Keith, um, that it was, it seemed like it was very um, sincere. Uh, and I think all the more, all the more of us taking into account how our faith continues and how it's a constant um, evolving thing. And so uh, we just wanted to evolve in the right direction. And yeah, bro, I'm sorry. There there was a Judas who had, I mean, walked with Jesus, the living breeze of Jesus. We know how that ended. There was a Peter who was his chosen disciple that had this big blunder at the end. There's his mom who was prophesied to. Like, I mean, there were so many people. It is possible to walk with Jesus and walk away from Jesus. And I think that's the reason Jesus said, take up your cross every single day and follow me. Like we have to choose him every single day. Preach. Yeah, really good. Well, we got some other clips, so let's let's keep uh, let's keep going here, Zach. Let's do that second clip. I, I was trying to be as honest as I can when I t- tell my story, but I also kind of want to be the hero of my own story, don't we all? And in telling the story, I I'm also telling it in a way that justifies my decisions and my conclusions. Um, and there's really no other way to live life in one sense, but that can be also done in a yeah i thought that was a really this is a uh, so this was actually a video that they produced they did the four-part series on the lost years and then about a month later they did another hour-long video where they were reflecting back on that conversation that series both the responses that they had received but also you know they had a little bit of space between telling the story and now he's he's reflecting back on how he told his story and I thought this was a very self-aware statement by Rhett that, um, first of all, he understands that it's a story. It's a story that's being told. Um, and the the details of that story are pretty simple. He started out identifying as a Christian. He no longer does. Uh, and there was a process that, that involved him going from A to B. But there's also the way that the story is told. And since he's telling it, he's going to tell this story in a way that justifies the de- decisions he made and the actions that he took. Um, and that's that's very much in our human nature to do. So I, I thought that was a, a really self-aware statement on his part. But I think it's also, there's an important element of truth there that stories are powerful. And really our faith, our lives are built on stories, the stories we tell ourselves and the stories that we listen to from others. And so really part of what we're wanting to do today is we're wanting to respond to his story the way that he told it mm-hmm. because, um, and, and, and not to, to dishonor him, but just to say that, yes, the story is what it is, but he told it in such a way 
that he would be the hero coming out of that story. And the way you do that is, like you said earlier, Abigail, you you find fault with Christianity, that both he and Link um, went through a process where they reevaluated the Christian faith and they found it uh, deficient. They found it wanting. And that's why they left it. And so we want to respond to the way he told that story because we also have evaluated the Christian faith in our adult lives. We don't find it deficient. We don't find it wanting. And so that's what we'd like to, to respond to. Yeah, and if you know Rhett and Link, you know that someday a whale is going to die. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I don't want to seem like we're just crushing these guys because we're not. We really uh, do have a lot of respect for them. And like I said, we were uh, and still are like fans of these guys. And um, But you do say, I think, uh, you do see, I think Andrew told me really early on when we met each other that uh, he didn't want notoriety to get the best of him because we all want that. Like we all want uh, appreciation and to be acknowledged and thought of as, as good people and you know we want to do good things um but andrew also told me that god's not going to share his glory you know so uh at some point you do got to choose uh where that credit goes and where it where it comes from so um yeah i think he made a, a powerful statement and one that's very true we are gonna are gonna suffer with that but uh or struggle with that but we want to give it back to god because we know uh, what god's done yeah, that's uh, so true, Keith. And as I was listening, um, and maybe this is why I got so mad, <laughs> is that uh, I could really um, see some things about them that are similar to myself. Um, and, you know, just to be, you know, completely honest, anyone listening who is a fan of the Enneagram, um, I'm an Enneagram three. And I knew that I was a three because when I read the little synopsis, it was exactly when I had share my testimony, it's the first part of my testimony without Jesus. So basically when I share my testimony, I say, you know, there was a time in my life when I was mean and all I cared about was being the best, the smartest, the funniest, and like the center of attention in the room. And I would do literally anything to get it. And then I met Jesus and he changed me. Um, and I just thought about them and they tell their story and about how they were entertainers and how they would MC events and at their, in their Christian organization. And, you know, they would do Christian camps and they were always on stage and performing and it's kind of where they learned their trade. And I really identified with a lot of that. I did similar things in college. I also emceed like every single like college night at my church, like that I had those kind of gifts and talents to be on stage and I loved it. And I did enjoy being in the limelight. However, and I, I was a believer at the time. I'm not saying I wasn't, but, um, but as I have grown in my faith and as I've matured, hopefully, hopefully, um, I've actually like shied away from things like this. So irony, I'm now on <laughs> YouTube show, but I genuinely am scared of it because I know my heart. And um, when I was publishing my book, I was really on the floor um, before the Lord of just like, please, That's awesome. please do not let this be in my own glory. And so I agree with Andrew's statement there. Like we have to be careful because we all want to be the hero of our own story. And we, and 
honestly, we're our biggest idol. Um, the worship of ourselves and our own dreams and our own aspirations, man, they get in the way and our hearts are deceitful. <laughs> so I don't know. I think a lot of it was I truly identified with them and I knew where they were coming from and how slippery that slope is. Right. I mean, for, for a Christian, for us, you know, Jesus is the hero of the story. And that's just a non-negotiable, <laughs> uh, you know, John the Baptist statement that he must become greater, I must become less. And I, I going back to something that Keith said earlier, I, I really, listening to their whole story, I did not see, I did not interpret the timeline as they moved out to L.A. and they lost their faith. I really, what I heard them describe was that in their mid-20s, they began to really wrestle with... Um, what do we want to pursue most in life and who do we want to be and who do we want, who do we want to be known as and they moved to LA so basically as as they're wrestling with i i believe that they made some fundamental choices in their mid 20s that didn't immediately cause them to renounce the faith but it it did put them on a path to pursue and they made choices um one of their choices that they made from the very beginning and we'll hear about this in a, uh, a another clip. Was they they made a choice to to not identify openly as believers in any of their um, public content. In fact, um, Zach, let's go ahead and jump down if you can. Go ahead and uh, play uh, the last clip there. Uh, I've got it listed as clip number six. It's the one in their interview with the real story to do that oh. it was very cool Phil uh, and uh, <laughs> and uh, and then a lot of those initial videos that we put on YouTube were videos that we made in that context and they were none we never made any videos that were overtly religious or spiritual we did funny things and then we kind of said things that made connections to them so we could kind of take all those videos and just put them on the internet and people would be like oh these are just funny very oh, clean yeah. videos yeah. Um, yeah so that's that's the real story <laughs> Yeah, and um, that's the real story. <laughs> the real story, and, and we kind of missed the very beginning of that clip. But basically, he's saying that hey, any article that's been written about us over the last fifteen years, they don't know the real story. The real story is that we actually began making videos when we were in full-time Christian ministry, and we were making these videos to train college students on how to share their faith. But even in those videos, the videos that they were making in full-time Christian ministry, they were very purposeful. Uh, it was a conscious choice to not have anything overtly religious or um, Jesus-centered or even Jesus-mentioning in those videos. They would play those videos with the college students, and then in their real, real-time face-to-face -face interactions with those students, they would take principles from those videos to train the students on how to share their faith. Those videos were the first ones that they began to upload to YouTube. And like you said, no one who watched those videos would interpret that as being as those videos being religious, they would just say, hey, these guys are, are good, clean comedians. So that's a decision that was made all the way back when they were still in full-time ministry um, that I think just got played out and amplified more and more uh, as they moved to LA and as they grew in, in popularity with their channel. Um, this actually, I don't, I don't, understand our notes really so i'm just jumping around um but it what this really uh kind of points out to me is something i noticed a lot um is just this uh need to uh 
to couch their beliefs and that they were constantly aware of how the world saw them and how, you know, they wanted people to think they were cool and to, to fit in and that that really started to bother them on a deep level. And, um, I, I, uh, there was a one clip and I don't, I don't know if we even have it here today, but I'll just tell you about it. Um, uh, link was talking about, uh, how, just interacting with someone who is a homosexual and how he knew that in his, um, in his Christian environment that, you know, they would have just hated that person. And I thought like, what, who are these people? Like, I don't think that's actually how we are, <laughs> you know? So even that was, um, he had really already vilified, uh, his faith and the yeah. people of faith, um, instead of, of seeing, you know, how we can love someone who is a, a homosexual and may in living in that world, who's not a believer. Like, of course that person is living in sin. We all are when we're not with Jesus. So even those things, like there was this real um, vilification of believers of not really loving people well. And so, you know, we want to kind of leave Jesus out of this um, because that doesn't go over well. Instead, we're going to just make lighthearted videos. So there was always <laughs> a little bit of shame involved, right? Like I'm not reading into that. Like there's this shame in relation to Jesus. Oh yeah. yeah it's rough. Sure. Yeah. I, I totally agree. You can see it a lot. I don't know how many, how many more clips do we have, Andrew? Cause I don't um, want to spend too much time. Got maybe another three more three okay yeah i'll save it i just want to say i agree with you guys about the shame and, and what was going on you can see these patterns so for sure yeah but I, mean, yeah. I, think I, I do see the the very beginning of their journey as the turning point because i think they present the story as they tell it is they they started down this path and they had these doubts and at, at, at every moment they were trying to hold on to their faith mm -hmm. in spite of feeling like they were becoming more and more disconnected from it but again, I, I really see the the choice that they made in their early early to mid twenties as the turning point, and then it just played out. Mm -hmm. um, and this this thing about not wanting to be openly identified with Jesus, as they began this pursuit of of notoriety and 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 a, a, a comic life, nothing wrong with that that desire to be on YouTube and and to be funny and to make people laugh, um, but. I found it striking that they were unwilling to talk about their Christian faith or be identified as believers openly from the very beginning as as very significant in what ended up playing out. I've got another blog post, and you guys hadn't seen this, but I actually found this. This was from their community, retinlinkcommunity.com, and it's a discussion that took place back in... 2010, 10 years ago. And this was when they were, you know, they were beginning to be big, but they, they still hadn't really exploded to the extent that they are now. But this was like a fan, this still is a fan website, you can go to it. Um, and this person, Katie posts and says, I heard from my cousin, you two are Christians. And I saw the books of the Bible songs that you two did with the guy who did up uh, Veggie Tales. And she says, which you haven't posted on YouTube yet, exclamation mark. And I was wondering if it were true. Are, are you two Christians? Please respond. So this is Rhett's response because this was an interactive website that they had with their fan community. He says, yes, Link and I are Christians and it's a big part of our lives and influences the nature of our content. However, our videos are not Christian and this community is not for people of any particular faith. 
the work we did on the Bentley Brothers characters is for Phil Vischer's Jelly Telly series. It's not Rhett and Link content per se, and it shows up in a different place. We understand that a lot of people are passionate about their faith, and they want public figures of that same faith to, to take a stand or to let people know the deal. Quote, unquote. But our focus is to make people laugh and bring some light into their lives through our videos. As a result, you're not going to see us directly address issues of faith through our comedy content. Also, we're not interested in getting into a long, drawn-out discussion about how we communicate our faith. So this answer is going to have to suffice. And I'm going to close this discussion. Thanks for the question. It's heavy, man. You see what I'm saying? Like, uh, <laughs> it's heavy, man. That's... Oh now this is may 28th 2010 you know these yeah. videos came out in january of 2020 but i want people to understand that it was a long journey but there were some pretty mm -hmm. significant and non-negotiable decisions that were already made you know very early on in that journey and then they played out yeah. <sighs> See, that's the one it thing. does make me sad. sad. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, okay. It does make me sad. <laughs> I'm with you. Do you have feelings? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh, yeah so, I mean, it's... Okay, sorry. Go ahead. This is um, the last thing I want to say on this, because I. but I, this was one of the big things that stood out to me as they told their story. Even in this, this comment, you're not going to see us directly address issues of faith through our comedy content. And then later... Um, we're not interested in getting into a long drawn out discussion about how we communicate our faith. Now I just listened to seven and a half hours of content <laughs> where they were very interested in discussing the contents of their faith. Um, but it was, you know, they did not mention Jesus from day one until they were rejecting him. Yeah. That was when they were ready to go public and, and talk about, in a very extended way, issues of faith. And that's why I say, for me, um, it's a story of them finding themselves, um, making decisions about who they really wanted to be, what they wanted to believe. Um, and I think you see that even in this scenario of, you know, when they were willing to talk about issues of faith and when they were willing to talk about Jesus. Um, I think it's a pretty significant insight into, into the story of their spiritual deconstruction. I mean, is it fair to, um, to, well, I mean, one, it wasn't a discussion in the end. It was monologues. True. Like they got to go on their show and yeah. tell their story. And there wasn't anyone there as a believer to have a discussion with them. So it wasn't a discussion. It was them telling their story. Um, so even then they weren't discussing, they were just telling their story. And we also don't know how many people they talked to in those, you know, 10 year period, um, where they were, you know, struggling and who they spoke to. That would be interesting to know. Um, I do know that Rhett listed a ton of books that he read. Um, and I kept wanting to like yell at uh, my phone, like, were you reading the Bible? Like who was discipling you? Like these are the things that I wanted to know. Like, I know you're reading this book on uh, evolution, but what else are you doing? You know? Um, so I do think, it's not even fair to say it was a discussion in the end, Andrew, yeah. right? I mean, it was just them being like, we're done, and here's yeah. the final product. So I think in this context, the discussion was, the, the discussion that he was talking about maybe was twofold. There was a public discussion. You know, he's acknowledging that, hey, some of our fans who have faith would want us 
to to be public, to, to put out put mm-hmm. out videos that directly address faith. We're not going to do that. And then also, there's a conversation that's happening in the comments. We're not interested in that either. And that's a that's a conversation that they are actually now having in the comments of their videos. They're making uh, Q and A videos with their audience. So there is a there is a discussion that is going on, um, both publicly okay. and through the comments. I, I would say. You know, but but I do want to I do want to press forward. We got a couple of other clips, you know, as they talk about their faith, as they go back and try to explain, you know, one of their concerns is that people are going to say that we were never true Christians. And in their view, they were. So let's watch this next clip, uh, Zach, number three, as they explain um, their earlier experiences with faith and Christianity. And I think being involved in YouTube and becoming more part of the community and my world expanding it people think that it's that oh they moved to LA and they got liberal you know they gave up their faith you know i mean well you could also blame it on youtube because many years before it's like i mean in a very good way it it expanded you know the the people in this we, we didn't we didn't rub shoulders with anybody like in that before that picture you know, we were in our own little microcosm. Yeah, it sounds like And we like felt this. like we had it all figured out, and I took extreme comfort. And I think with the way that I worked, I really needed the comfort of knowing that, okay, I'm right. I'm right. If, you know, I'm safe because I'm right. It's tethered you. Yeah. Yeah. And it made it scary to start to say, okay, I'm, I'm going to let go of this. Yeah, and this was, um, to me, this was a, a common way that they they explained the early years of their faith, which was essentially, hey, we grew up in, they didn't say this, but we grew up in cultural Christianity. We were never exposed to anyone different than ourselves, um, and therefore, we never really had a chance to investigate the claims of Christianity, both its intellectual claims and its moral claims, because there was never an alternative. And it wasn't until we got involved with YouTube and moved out to LA that we began to see a broader uh, picture of life that began to call into question whether or not the Christian faith was true and worth following. So I've got some things to share on that, but Keith, did you see that? And what was your take on how they explained their early days of faith? Yeah, yeah, I would agree. I think they were, I'm going to say they were sheltered, but they grew up in the Bible Belt. And even amongst their friends, they distinguished themselves as true believers and trying to walk with the Lord. Um, but you, yeah, you really don't see that in their adult life. Um, and we were talking about it earlier, but the, he was so adamant about being right that, hey, I'm right. I'm correct about this thing. And some of the things they'll say throughout the, the video is that he gave up on being certain about things, you know, like I didn't want to be certain about anything anymore. But here is Link, of course, saying that, hey, I'm right. Yep, this is uh, this is the best option for me. So um, one of the things, Abby, I kind of agree with your anger. There was parts that kind of uh, upset me because one of the, something they didn't address was their net worth. Um, and I looked into it, guys, and they're not, <laughs> they're not, uh, their net worth is above five, five million. It's above 10 million. It's above 15 million. It's above 20 million, if you get what I'm saying. So, um. Yeah, I think that, that that has something to do with it. That plays a big factor in it. Like, at some point in Jesus' life, he was offered all the kingdoms of the world and their glory if he would have just exchanged where he worshipped. If he went from worshipping uh, God to worshipping, you know, 
Um, and uh, I think you see this exchange at some point in their life. They were about to, to break into a stratosphere that most people will never break into. And they did it. Uh, there was just some things that they had to change. So, um, yeah, I think that one, it, it beats my heart up because, uh, yeah, what can we gain? Mm-hmm. You know, we can gain the whole world and lose our soul. I think it's in there. So, yeah. Hmm. I mean, I, I, I appreciate the sheltered, uh, childhood. Um, I grew up in the Bible Belt as well and in a Christian home in a very tiny conservative church. So it was very sheltered. I didn't, we didn't have a TV until I was in high school. Wow. So I don't even, I didn't even get to see like eighties and nineties movies until I was married. So like, I just have, yeah, I'm super sheltered. Um, I, what, when I did get to high school, however, um, I went to a public high school and my parents were very wise and, um, they had had really given me a firm foundation in the word. And so I was kind of thrown out there as a teenager and, you know, teenage problems are little, they're little problems and it's in a little, you know, environment. And so I was able to start to work through some of those worldviews, um, in and as a teenager and so i could appreciate if you're already in your 20s like they were um and all of a sudden you're thrown out into the world that that would be even more rocking um so i do think that there this might be the argument for uh allowing your children a little bit of freedom when they're still in your home i vividly remember being on the phone with a guy um that i was you know kind of talking to or whatever in high school. And he was debating with me whether or not um, there were other ways to be saved. Um, And I remember like holding the phone away, you know, back then there wasn't like a way to mute your phones. It was the (laughs) olden days and being like, mom, like, what do I do? And I like was talking to my mom, like as I was talking to this guy. So that was helpful. I had someone you know, there with me. Um, but I was also getting to figure it out for myself. So I really do feel for them, man, Keith, we're going back and forth. Like I'm angry. You're sad. I'm sad. (laughs) So all the emotions are there. Andrew, I want to hear your thoughts on this. So I thought that this one was, was interesting because it's almost like they were trying to play both sides of this. I don't know if this was a conscious choice on their part, but on the one hand, they wanted to say, Hey, people are going to say that we were never true Christians. And we know that that's not true. So that's hurtful. It's hurtful when people say that. On the other hand, both, both Rhett and Link, as they describe why they were Christians, both of them make it clear that they now look back and say, well, what else could we have been? We were brought up in this very uh, closed system where we weren't exposed to people different than us uh, or belief systems that were different than ours when it was actually encouraged for us to be leaders within this setting Um, and as we moved into adulthood and began to ask harder questions and get exposed to a broader group of people, you know, that's when we really found that Christianity wasn't worth believing, wasn't worth identifying with. And so, I mean, my thought on that is, it's really hard to consider yourself a true Christian at that point then, because you really haven't, um, investigated it deeply and you haven't looked at other alternatives. And so I I agree with you, Abigail, that I think one of the the takeaways is how do we raise our children so that they are exposed to different types of people, different belief systems, 
uh, while they're still in our home so that we don't just shelter them. You know, the job of a parent is to protect and prepare our children for mm-hmm. the real world. Um, and so, yes, part of that is to, to shelter them and to protect them at a young age, but part of it is to, is to prepare them. Um, and, and part of that is to let them see that, hey, not everyone believes the way that we believe. Not everyone sees the world the way that we see it. There are very sincere people out there who have different views, but this is why we we do believe it uh, to be true. And so, I I think that um, I think that that was a really interesting way for them to present their story. That it was it was of course natural for them. I tell a story, and Keith has heard this before. But if my first grader came home, and he told me that he was in love with the girl who's at the desk across from his and that they're going to get married one day. Um, I would not get nervous. I would not sit him down and say, well, listen, here's what you really want to look for in a wife. Uh, and you're too young for this. Uh, I would actually probably think it was very cute and, and kind of <laughs> smile on the inside, but not be too overbearing on it because I don't want to embarrass him. And the reason for that is because we know that when you are young, you're not in a place where you can really make those decisions. Um, you're not at a place where you can really weigh the, the consequences of this lifelong commitment. And so one of my takeaways from their whole story is that life, uh, faith is a, a, a lifelong journey. And the story isn't over until it's over. And so if you start out as identifying as a Christian, but as you move into adulthood uh, and you begin to pursue your dreams, Christianity no longer... Christianity no longer has a place in your life, well, which version is the true you? I would say the true you is the adult version, and the the version of you that was based in childhood is much more a product of your environment, and and therefore you were not a true Christian, not not as the Bible describes it. Now, you were sincere, and that's I think that's probably what he's saying, is that people are going to say that you were never sincere. <laughs> I think they were absolutely sincere all the way up through college. I, I think if you had met them at the age of 21, um, you would have seen a very sincere person who identified as a Christian and was actively trying to live out of that identity. Um, but as they moved into their adult lives and made choices about what they wanted to pursue most, who they wanted to be and who they wanted to be known as, it's pretty consistent from very early on that Jesus was not a central part of that. <sighs> Yeah, man, it's tough. Let's watch one more clip and then we'll probably wrap up with some takeaways because we're we're going to be coming up on an hour here. So (laughs) we're going strong. Zach, let's 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 watch um, that next clip. Clip number four. The more difficult it has become to have faith. In fact, for me, it has become impossible. And that was kind of the reckoning for me, right? That was that was jumping ship to use a better analogy than taking off a bikini. You see, I kind of saw Christianity as this boat in a very stormy sea. It's stable. There's a lot of other people on it. It's got a destination. You're going to get through this. It gives you something to hold on to. It gives you stability. It gives you purpose. It gives you direction. And it gives you community. And when I jumped ship, I didn't jump to another boat. I jumped into the water and I pulled my wife and my children in with me. I jumped into a sea of... Yeah, Abby, what, uh, what's your take on that clip? 
Uh-oh. We, I think we've lost your audio, Abigail. Oh, there I am. Sorry. I had to mute myself because uh, I have a little person who's like banging <laughs> on my door right now. I don't know if you can hear it. Nope. nope. But I, I but anyway, he's either, there. So. Yeah, I know. Anyway, I'm back. Uh, sorry about that. I, um, man, this just... This is a very common worldview, you know, that the world really isn't that scary and that awful. But this actually, um, this is something I was going to say about that previous uh, comment, um, is that there's a lot of fear in a lot of Christian um, environments, a fear of the world. We do not have to fear it, friends. It is not to be feared. Uh, We have the truth. And we don't have to be afraid of the world. It's not going to like just sneak up on us and attack us. We have choices. So I feel like because of the environment they were in, um, it did feel like they were on this little boat and it was uh, them against the world. And then he finally got off of it, you know, and like, oh, thank goodness, the world, it's so much better. And Mm -hmm. no one's coming at him with any kind of judgments. And thank goodness he got out of there. That's a real common misconception. Like there Christianity is not us being on a boat. We are what's a better analogy? Oh, I'm gonna think of one. I was not prepared for this, well, but I'm gonna come that, back that, at that it. That we're pilgrims and we're sojourners. I mean, we're we're walking through the chaos <laughs> of life. Good. The Bible had a good one. Never mind. I didn't have to come up with my own. <laughs> And everybody is. So everybody's trying to make their way through life and everyone is doing it. Like they talked about becoming um, comfortable with uncertainty. I don't feel as a Christian that Christian equals certainty. Not at all. I mean, faith is the confidence of things hoped for. It's not the certainty of things that are obviously clear. Hmm. And so uh, all of us are on this journey. All of us are maybe, all of us are in that that raging sea. Um, Yeah. So yeah, I, I agree with you that that the way he's even, but that's his take. His view of Christianity was that it was this boat that was protecting them from the chaos of the world and from life, I guess you could say. Yeah. And I think obviously like, yeah, the the part about his family, I think it's at least cool that he was honest enough to say that his family was going to follow him, that uh, he was the leader of his family and where he went and where his faith went. Eventually it was going to follow. Because if you listen to the the videos uh, seemed like his wife had a really hard time with it all and trying to really trying to let go, you know. But eventually, yeah, you, uh, yeah, bad company corrupts good morals. Like I, I hate to say it, but eventually, yeah, you're gonna, you know, if I spend enough time with certain people, it's just it's just gonna happen. So I think it makes sense that his family went with him. Yeah, I think it. Uh, I think it goes back to the power of story. And really owning that our stories do have influence and taking a stand does have an impact for good or bad. Um, People will be influenced by our lives, um, either to be drawn to Jesus or to be drawn away from him. Um, And, you know, part of a theme that came up over and over throughout their videos is like, hey, we're not trying to convince anybody. We're just telling our story. (laughs) This is our story of, of how we way Christianity oh, and found it wanting. Um, and you know, that's a little, that's a bit of a cop out because Bro, you, cop you out. are going to influence people. And the, the fact that you're putting it out in public and that's fine. Cause that's what you believe. But then you don't get to say like, Hey, we're not, we're not trying to influence you. We're not, um, I mean, your own family, your, your own, um, wife and children, 
obviously th those are the people closest to you. And, and like he says, like, Hey, I, I pulled my wife and my children out of Christianity and into this, into this raging sea. Um, you know, another thing that he says in that clip at the beginning is that we kind of missed the very beginning of it, but it's, he, he says that the, he didn't find it insignificant that the deeper he dug into Christianity, uh, the more unbelievable it became to him. And again, that was also a theme is that, hey, as we really, as adults, as we really began to examine the faith, at each step, we found the faith wanting. And again, that's a story. That's not truth. truth it's, it's not reality that the faith, if you weigh it, um, you will find it wanting. That's, that's his story. You know, I was up in San Francisco a few months back. We did a podcast episode on Francis Chan's We Are Church home network, and I spent four days with a guy named Rob, who had a very different upbringing than, than Rhett and Link. Grew up in um, the inner city, among gangs, in a very broken um, societal situation, spent 10 years, committed crimes, spent 10 years in prison, came to faith in prison. And now um, he would say just the opposite. He would tell a, a story that was the exact opposite of this story that Rhett is, that hey, I've been on the other side, I've been in the world, um, I've seen what there is that's out there, and as an adult, I came across the, the teachings of Jesus and Christianity and found something worth giving my life to. And you won't hear from him because he's, <clears throat> he's working with drug addicts and homeless people in the Tenderloin in San Francisco. So, um, you know, he's going to be influencing at a different level. But the power of story and our responsibilities to influence others is one that I think we just have to take ownership of. You know, you can't tell a story and then say, hey, don't, don't critique this story because it hurts me or, <laughs> or this is just my truth. I'm not trying to influence other people because they're too smart. They're too smart not to know that it will absolutely influence people. Ugh, I hate the whole, this is my truth. Guys, there's just truth. That's, there's just truth. Like <laughs> there's truth and then not truth. And then there's opinion. Oh, it upsets me. That's a real like modern current day, like statement of like, I'm just speaking my truth. Mm -hmm. Like that's your opinion. That's opinion. That's what we call opinion. Actually. <laughs> Sorry. That's just a personal like pet peeve of mine. And um, I love that, you know, your spin on this, Andrew, um, it's not a spin, but your takeaway is, that we have a story and it's important. Um, it makes me very sad that we had these two gentlemen who decided to not share their story of faith when they had it, so to speak, um, and didn't feel like that was an important story to tell, but they did want to tell their story of <laughs> non-faith. Um, but we as believers, we all have the opportunity every day to tell our story and our faith should be so important to us. We truly have life everlasting, a life of freedom that we can offer to others. And we should never be afraid to share it. And it should never be uh, lower than our fame or a fortune or whatever else. Um, it should always be 100% number one. And stories are powerful. And I love that you shared that, Andrew. Their story is powerful. It made me quite uncomfortable. So I would love to see more true stories um, out there of people of influence. Yeah, stories mm -hmm. that support the truth. Um, yeah. well, we got to wrap this up. Any final takeaways from from you guys, Keith? You got any final thoughts? Yeah, just 
I think real quickly, um, yeah, like to just, I guess, I don't know, summarize my thoughts the way I'm feeling, the way I took this all. Um, we're like Andrew talked about the guy up in San Francisco. We're the same way. We're, I'm not going to say we're nobodies because we are somebodies, especially in Jesus. But, you know, we don't have this huge platform. And, uh, yeah, Rhett, I don't know if you will ever hear these words of mine or of ours. But, um, yeah, what can you offer in exchange for Jesus? You know, you said that you're out to sea in this boat. And, uh, man, you have everything in the world that you want. You're, you're a very rich man. I don't think you brought that up too much in the podcast, which I think is worth uh, hearing because most of the people who consume your content, we're not rich. <laughs> we're never going to be rich, you know, but we do have this hope, uh, that Jesus has given us. And after hearing your synopsis and everything you've said about deconstructing the faith, you offered absolutely nothing to the average, um, yeah, men and women out there. Uh, I, I, I mean, in exchange for Jesus, uh, you pretty much said, Hey, I'm on this, I'm on the waters now. Uh, I, I'm not going for certainty. I don't need it. I'm actually seeing a therapist now, and like I said, I'm not trying to attack his character personally, but it's like, what do you have to offer now? Like, uh, all three of us have tasted and seen that there's nothing better than Jesus, and we're going to stand by that. Um, so uh, I'm not saying that when you leave the faith that you have to offer something better, but I'm just saying that as a man who's tasted and tried different things and uh, lived most of my life away from Jesus, I think uh, it doesn't get any better than Jesus, and uh, if there's any debate about i would love to hear what you have to offer in exchange for that so mm. abigail how about you oh man i don't know that was really great keith i don't have anything better than that uh, honestly i i think um i am glad that we were able to have this content to go over with you guys who are listening um because they are not unique um Rhett and link are not just the only two people that this has happened to. So their story is not unique. And I think it's an important thing for us as believers to realize that there are people every day who are choosing uh, to walk away um, from Jesus for lots of different reasons. Um, but the truth is, uh, is that when sought after with our whole heart and when we make him the king of our life, then like he said, we have something that no one can take away. It makes me very sad that in the end, uh, these two gentlemen chose, uh, I guess, fame and popularity in a certain I'm not even going to say that. Let's just say they did not get wealthy because there's a lot of people that are not super wealthy um, that have given up their faith. What I will say is that we all have to fight sin on a daily basis and it's not fun and it's not comfortable. And there is a lie that tells us that if we just give up this whole religion thing, we give up on Jesus, then it'll just be whew, a relief. Won't have to fight anymore. I can just go with my sin. Well, that's a lie. Um, because God is good and he is ultimately better and worth the fight. Uh, so I think that really is the bottom line in their story. And it makes me angry that they have 5 million people that got to hear their hmm. convincing argument, convincing. <laughs> um, but also makes me very sad uh, and sad for them. Yeah, I, I really found, like I said, I, I found their story fascinating. Um I really did. I think, I think as believers, there's a lot to learn 
from the story that Rhett and Link have shared with us about their lives. So, so many important takeaways. Um, and, and, you know, one of them is that we're, we're all in process. So, you know, faith is not something that you, it, it's a one and done thing. You know, like Abby was saying earlier, that faith is a daily choice that we make. Um, and the story that is being told through our lives, we're still in process. We're in the middle of this story. And so uh, to continue to take up your cross daily, like Keith was saying earlier, and and to, to live that faith, there's nothing that we have to be afraid of. You know, you can question Christianity, both its intellectual claims and its moral claims, and you should, you know, um, you know, the story that, that they both told, Rhett and Link, Rhett basically said that the intellectual claims were not did not hold up under scrutiny. Uh, I disagree, and there's a lot of really intelligent people who have done that same research and disagreed. <laughs> um, and Link basically said that it didn't hold up under its moral claims, um, that it was judgmental, and that it ultimately didn't result in loving people. I disagree there, too. So I, I think you should investigate your faith as a mature adult and you should you should take ownership of your faith, and also ownership of your story. That your story does have a lot of influence, <laughs> both for your own journey, and for the the lives of those who are around you. And we don't need to have five million followers on YouTube to to be influential. All of us are very influential in our own networks and within our own circles. So definitely take ownership. Do that research. Be committed. Model faithfulness, uh, and live out your faith in the everyday places of life because that's where it that's where it really counts. So, I mean, I want to thank everybody who has uh, stuck with us. If you're still listening or watching, uh, kudos to you. Just realize we watched several hours to try to condense it. This is the least you guys can do. <laughs> we're, we're really long on this episode, um, but it's because we did want to do justice to the story that uh, we listened to. Um, if you haven't already and you um, find this kind of content about living your faith uh, motivating and helpful, then definitely subscribe, um, share this video with others if it's been helpful to you, uh, with friends, and uh, hit the notification bell so that we're putting out new videos every week, and we would love for you to see those and not miss any of those, so make sure that you do that. Guys, thanks for being on the show today. Of course. We'll do it again yeah. next week. We'll be here. See you guys later. See ya. Thanks for being part of our community. If you find this podcast valuable, there are many ways you can support it. You can review it on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you happen to listen to it. You can share it on social media with your friends. Or you can support it directly by visiting our website, intotheharvest.org, clicking on the donate link, and becoming a monthly giving partner. When you do this, you'll receive a thank you package with some great ITH gear. Thank you for supporting the show and helping our small team make a big difference for Jesus. It's listeners like you that make this ministry possible.